Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church, Bellevue, Nebraska, and I am so thankful that you are joining us today. Uh, We are wrapping up our series called Relationship Goals, and uh, we've been talking about uh, four specific goals this week, and I'm sorry, over the last four weeks, and uh, so we want to continue that. We're going to talk about covenant keeping today, and so I'm looking forward to to really uh, diving in today. Uh, and looking forward to uh, speaking to you again today. Uh, If you've been with us in the previous weeks, uh, we've talked about hashtag relationship goals, and that hashtag has been looked at over 14 million times. Uh, And if you ever click on that, uh, I do want to remind you that uh, be careful what you you do click on because uh, there's things that will pop up with that that uh, probably are not the most appropriate things, so be very careful when you do that. Uh, but there's a lot of beautiful things on there. Um, there are some amazingly uh, creative photos that people have done uh, with professional photographers and uh, selfies themselves and all those types of things. But they just want to show how uh, amazing their relationship is through uh, f- photographs. And it's funny when you look at those photos, some of you will be like, oh, I want something like that. Okay. And then you get married and you realize I don't have something like that. Sometimes, sometimes things don't end up exactly as you hope they would in relationship, in relationships. In fact, um, it's interesting when you're, when you're dating, how opposites tend to attract, right? And then you get married and opposites tend to attack. <laughs> Have you noticed that what's cute and adorable when you're dating becomes incredibly obnoxious uh, when you're married? It's so sweet and, and great that he's so laid back, and, and I just love him. He's, he's so lovable. And then you get married, and you're, you're like, get a job and get off the couch, right? Um, my question to you, I have a couple questions this morning, is how many of you, when it comes to money, you're the savior? You know, maybe you're tight with money. I mean, wise with money, right? Uh, um, some of you, uh, maybe you are the um, uh, person that says, what is savings? I thought that was an option when it came to money, right? Uh, it's opposites, you know? Some of you were very punctual when it comes to being on time. And then there are those of you who are more flexible at arrival time. You're like, punctual? What's that? You are often are, are different, where you're opposites when you are married, okay? Another one question is how many of you are very organized, okay? I'm not. My wife, Jen, has everything uh, in a place. Everything has a place. Um, and, and some of you are more creative, right? How many of you are more creative? You're the ones that can put things in different places. It's, it's absolutely okay if you do so. It's funny how opposites will attract. Then one day you get married and, and you realize... Uh, how come we're struggling so much? I never thought we'd end up here. 
And I hope you have some relationship goals, you know, because as followers of Christ, we have some goals that are different than normal. If you've been with us for the last uh, few weeks, uh, what are our goals? We are, we are, our goals are to be Christ-centered in all the things that we do. Being Christ-centered is different than just calling yourself a Christian. It takes effort to follow Christ and to be Christ-centered. And so we are Christ-centered, we are mission-driven, we are devil-kicking, and we are covenant-keeping. Okay? Today I want to talk, like I mentioned, about covenant keeping in our relationships. So what does that mean? How do we live this out? Well, let's look at Matthew's gospel and let's see what, what he has to share with us uh, about um, when it comes to covenant keeping. He says in there in Matthew 19, uh, 3 through 6, this is what he says. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? And Jesus speaks, haven't you read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So if you were with us in, in previous weeks, we looked at the truth that our God unites what God unites our spiritual enemy schemes to divide. What does it mean to be covenant keeping in our relationships? Well, before we dive into that truth, I, uh, truth, I want to I want to bring up three different approaches to the marriage. Okay, to marriage, you see these all around you when you look around in culture and in the relationships that you have. You will you will see these three. I believe I believe you will utmost see these. Okay, so let's talk about the three different approaches to marriage. The first is what I call a casual approach to marriage. Marriage isn't that big of a deal. It's really just a piece of paper. That's the casual approach, okay? Then there's what I call a contractual approach. Marriage is a contract. We signed on the dotted line, and here's our agreement, okay? There's a casual, there's a contractual, and then there's a third one, which is what I call covenantal approach, okay? And this is the idea that marriage is a holy covenant established by God. So let's talk about these three and unpack them for a moment. So what is a casual approach to marriage? A marriage isn't that big of a deal. I mean, I might get married, I might not. I might get married somewhere in the future. Marriage is just a piece of paper anyway. It really doesn't matter. And so whenever we have a casual approach to marriage, it also generally leads to casual approach to sex. If you look at someone with a casual approach to sex, they would probably say something like, as long as two consenting adults agree, it's really nobody's business anyway. We're not hurting anyone, so we might as well do it whenever we want with whom we want, because after all, it's really no big deal. Then the thinking tends to evolve. Since marriage isn't that big of a deal and sex isn't that big of a deal, if we love someone or at least like them a lot and it's relatively convenient, we might as well move in together because after all, none of it matters that much at all. What's interesting though, they've done some recent research on living together and Barna studied this in 2017. The reports are that 57% of people said they've either currently or previously have lived with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And it kind of makes sense in our culture today if you talk to people. Because if you're kind of with somebody, it's really easy to say, well, we might as well move in together because it's incredibly convenient and we can save money. It seems to make sense and we're testing things out, right? Now, if you're living together, my goal is not to bring some shame upon anybody, okay? So if you're listening to this and you're living together out of marriage, 
I don't mean to bring shame or embarrass you or make you feel like running out of uh, of the car door or or your house right now or whatever, or just flip this switch off and say, I don't want to ever listen to this podcast again. Let's just kind of call it what it is. Okay. At some, you had to, at some level, make a commitment to someone enough to share an address together. Right? So let's just kind of talk it through what it could end up meaning if we really think marriage is no big deal. So let's, let's say we're going to live together and let's just say we're going to do some things that are typically reserved for married couples. So you moved in with somebody, you put in your toothbrush and the little toothpaste holder, you put your clothes in the little drawer, you share the bills, you share the address. You might even share a sandwich, just saying. Okay. (laughs) Essentially you do married things, even though you're not really married. And if things don't work out, you take your toothbrush, your clothes, and your half of the sandwich and you break up, right? And you go along with somebody else. And if things work out with them, you might move in then with them one day. And then weeks, months, years from now, you meet the perfect someone. And all the love songs on the radio make sense. And you realize this is finally the special someone that I want to settle down and get married to. And you do. Because opposites attract and then you get married. And suddenly things get complicated. She squeezes the toothpaste from the middle. He leaves the toilet seat up. He doesn't put the ketchup back in the right place. And of course, he doesn't breathe right. (laughs) So you had to be uh, with us last week. You had to listen to last week's podcast to know where I went there. But anyway, when things get difficult, so many people today say, let's just break it off. Let's divorce. Why is divorce so common? Because I believe a lot of people played house. They played house pretended to be married and practiced divorce on person after person after person. And so if marriage is only a piece of paper and sex isn't that big of a deal and we can live with multiple people as we go through life, why would we not end up in divorce? This could be a consequence of casual approach to marriage, okay? Then there's what I call the contractual approach. And admittedly, if you get married, I'm assuming in most or all states, you sign a marriage contract and then you put your signature on it, which I think is a good thing. The problem with the contract is, though, if that's all the marriage is, then you have to ask, what is a contract based on? Well, a contract is based on mutual distrust, okay? Mutual distrust. Think about it. If we're going to enter into a deal with each other and we trust each other, we might shake on it, right? We might elbow bump on it. We might give, give our word to each other because we trust one another. But if I don't trust you, we're not shaking on it. You're signing on the dotted line. That's just fact. So what do we know about a contract? Well, a contract is generally temporary, okay? Meaning until you pay up or until a certain amount of time expires, and a contract is almost as all is always there to protect the rights of the person signing and to limit their responsibility. For example, so for many years, Jen and I, my wife and I had to rent apartments or homes to live in. And every time that we moved into a new place, the landlord required us to sign a contract because he didn't know us and we didn't know him or them. And since we didn't know each other, we can't trust each other. And so in the contract, it would list the landlord's responsibilities and then my responsibilities. And what does it do? It, It limits responsibilities and defines responsibilities. So if we enter into marriage and say it's a contract, then as long as you live up to the agreed upon terms, we have a deal. But if you don't live up to the agreed upon terms, meaning you call me a name or you betray me in a certain way, or perhaps you don't make me happy, then I feel like since you broke the contract, now I'm not bound to the contract and we will go our separate ways. There is a casual approach to marriage. It's not that big of a deal. 
There's a contractual approach to marriage where you say, I'm in as long as you are in, aren't in it. We sign on the dotted line, and as long as we live up to the standards that agreed upon terms, then we're in this together. There's a third way to approach marriage, and that is a, conv- a covenantal approach to marriage. Okay? Covenantal approach is not based on a mutual distrust. It's not temporary, and it's not motivated by self-preservation. Uh, okay? Instead, a covenant is based on mutual commitment. It's unconditional commitment, motivated by a sacrificial love for the other. So let's talk about what a covenant is. Because most of you don't go around going, hey, I'm entering into a covenant today. You, you go around saying, hey, I'm getting married today, right? It's not a commonly used word, but it's a very important spiritual word that we need to understand when we talk about marriage. The word covenant comes from an Old Testament Hebrew word, bereath. It means a covenant. And so when you see a covenant established, there's always a shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, if two people were to enter into a covenant, there would often be a shedding of blood from a bull or, or maybe of seven lambs, okay? If, if two people were entering into a covenant with a bull, they would kill the bull, cut the bull in half, okay? I know this is gross, but kind of stick with me. But this is what they would do. There'd be a half of a bull and another half of a bull. And then two people would walk around the bull seven times, both of them, essentially saying, what happened to the bull should happen to me? And if I don't live up to my oath, this is a covenant of a shedding of blood, giving my word that this is a commitment that I will stick by, okay? So if you go to an Old Testament Hebrew wedding, what you would see is a powerful covenantal ceremony. Occasionally, what the priest would do is ask for the hand of both the groom and the bride, and the priest would occasionally take a knife and and cut the hand of the groom and the hand of the bride so that the blood would emerge from their hands, Okay, a shedding of the blood. Then the priest would join the bride and the groom's hands together so that the blood would mingle. This was signifying that what Leviticus says, the life of the person is in the blood. So we are exchanging life. Then the priest would bind their hands together, showing outwardly that the two are in the process of becoming one. And then they would share their covenant vows, both before family and friends and before God. Then what the couple would do after that is they would depart for a time. They would go to a place called a chippah, okay? So, you, you, yeah, chippah. It sounds like a, a cat getting a loogie out of the throat when you say it, right? Chippah, okay? And the chippah was like the bridal suite. It was kind of like the, the honeymoon room. And, and the couple would leave the wedding ceremony, and everyone else would wait while they go to the chippah. And in the chippah, they would chippah, if you know what I mean, Okay. They physically would become one flesh, representing what has happened to the spirit. Then once they've sealed their holy covenant, they would come back to the party that was waiting for them. Imagine how awkward that would be, right? You know, people sitting there waiting, hey, where have you been? You know, (laughs) those types of things. But what I hope you'll understand and embrace and take to heart is, is the truth that marriage matters, right? Marriage matters to God and marriage should matter to us. So does the gift of lovemaking, which, which is a gift from God to us, to his children. I want you to see what um, God talks about it in, uh, in, um, in uh, Hebrews, okay? Hebrews chapter 13, okay? I, lo- I love this quick verse. It's ha- cha- uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Listen to what uh, he says. Marriage is to be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled. Because God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterers. Marriage should be honored by all, right? 
who does all mean? Well, in the Greek, all means all, <laughs> okay? Uh, it means if you're a kid, you honor the covenant of marriage. If you're a teenager with raging hormones, you honor the covenant of marriage. If you're 22 and single and you still have your needs, you honor the covenant of marriage. If you're 31 and you're waiting, dating, and, and have the deep desire for mating, you honor the covenant of marriage. If you're 47 and divorced, the marriage bed should be kept pure because marriage matters to God. And the gift of lovemaking matters to God. And that's why I believe with all my heart that the way we talk about sex in the church leads to shame. Because so often the message is to the kids of no, 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 don't do that. And what we need to say is wait, 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 and wait, because something holy is coming. Something God-honoring is coming. Now, for those of you that are saying nothing but yes, yes, yes right now, and suddenly you feel a little bit of that conviction going on, what do you do with it? Well, what do you do if you're not married and you're just living with a, a lust-filled life that's displeasing to God? Well, the good news is Christ makes us new, right? In other words, my past was forgiven. It was transformed. Now who I am is different. And no matter what you've been doing in the past, no matter what you did last night, with the grace of Jesus, you can be forgiven. And you can decide from this moment forward, I will honor the covenant of marriage. The marriage bed should be kept pure. Then if you're not dating anybody, if you're not married today, and you hope to be married one day, you just decide we're going to wait. And then one day you will stand before God and before your closest friends and family, and the two of you will become one flesh, both spiritually and then physically. You will honor God, and you seal that covenant, and is holy and is right. Or you can just do your thing, and then get married. It's just a piece of paper, and then you go on your honeymoon, and it's just another day in the office, business as usual. The choice is yours. It's a choice, okay? You choose. What do you want to be? I want to choose to be Christ-centered. There's a big difference between calling yourself a Christian and being centered around Christ. I want in our relationship to be mission-driven, where we're united for a higher calling. I want to kick out all the forces of darkness. We are devil-kicking. Why? Because we are covenant-keeping. This isn't a casual approach. It, it's not just a contract. It's so much more. And some of you might say, well, it's easy for you, Pastor Dan. You have no idea how bad my marriage is. And I just want to acknowledge that, okay? I know for some, of, some people it's incredibly complicated. And I know that some of you are dealing with massive betrayals, hurts beyond measure, dysfunction, pain, perhaps different levels of abuse. And I just want to acknowledge that it is complicated. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's complicated in our world too. I can guarantee you there's as many spiritual attacks on our life as there are any, on anybody else's, okay? It's not easy, okay? It's not easy for any of us. We have decided that in our marriage is as good as we want it to be. It's right there. Every word's important. Our marriage is as good as we, not me, not her, but we choose it for it to be. And I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes we don't feel like being loving. We don't feel like forgiving. We don't feel like working on it. We may not feel like expressing our love and, and be Christ-centered. Let me ask you this. How many, of er how many other areas of your life can you not do what's important when you don't feel like it? For example, I'm not going to feed my baby today. Not in the mood. Don't feel like feeding the baby. Just not going to happen. I'm not going to go to work for the next three months because I don't feel like it. I'm not going to pay my taxes because I'm not in the mood to pay my taxes. No, you do it because it's right. It's right. We choose to be Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil-kicking, and covenant-keeping.
The big problem so many of us have is that throws off that that throws everything off is we have a misunderstanding of the character and the nature of God. Many of us think that when we go to God, it's a casual deal with God. I do whatever I want, it doesn't really matter. He's going to forgive me anyway. It's a casual approach to God. Some people think though that they think it's a, a contractual approach to God. If I live up to my part, then he'll live up to his. The problem is we don't always live up to ours. So we're afraid to go to him for his because we don't feel like we're worthy of it because contractually we didn't do what we were supposed to do. The truth about God is it's not casual. It's not contractual. It's a covenantal in relationship. It's an old covenant. They would take a lamb once a year and sacrifice the lamb. The blood from the lamb would flow into a bucket. They would take a sponge, dip it into the blood, put blood on the top of the doorpost and on the both sides of the doorpost. And when they would do that, the death angel would then pass by because the home was covered with the blood of the lamb. What's so amazing to think is you put blood on the top of a doorpost and on both sides, what would happen to the blood on the top? It would drip to the bottom. And there, in the Old Testament, you have a foreshadowing of the New Testament cross of Jesus. In the Old Covenant, it was temporary. The way you live under the New Covenant, who is, who is Jesus, by the way, Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. The bereath, the covenant, that's what you have now. So that because of his gift, because of his resurrection, whoever calls upon him will be forgiven, will be made new. It is the new covenant. And here's the great news. Even if we are faithless, Scripture says our God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's not casual. It's not contractual. It is a covenant. Our relationships will be as good as we choose them for them to be. We choose, right? Say it with me, to be Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil-kicking, covenant-keeping. We choose to honor God, and we always will be faithful to us. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another Venture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this series on relationship goals. I hope that um, you will put some into practice. I truly hope that it will help you in your marriages and your relationships in the future. And I also hope you will be back with us next week as we start a new series called Outlasters. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at ChandlerAcresChurch.com.